Welcome to the Todd Coconato Show, otherwise known as The Remnant here on WCF Radio Los Angeles. We're so thankful that you joined us for today's broadcast, where we're going to get into the subject of special interests in the church. In other words, why we got to get away from special interests, from being controlled by people that have an agenda, and get back to the basics, get back to the core of what the Bible says to do, why the church needs to clean up, because judgment comes first to the house of the Lord. Oh, this is going to be a good one. Buckle up and get ready. Here we go. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Todd Coconato Show. So thankful that you're here today. This is going to be good. We're talking about getting away from special interests in the church. In other words, not having anybody with an agenda controlling things. There's a lot of special interests. In fact, I'm going to get myself uninvited to even more churches and more conferences by doing today's broadcast, but I don't care because God's given me a very specific message in this hour. And he said, judgment comes first to the house of the Lord. So a few weeks ago at my church here in Nashville, and the Lord was really moving and he spoke something very profound in that service, a prophetic utterance. And it was that the church needs to clean house. In other words, we've got to get our house in order. Now, obviously this is a no-brainer, but has it been done yet? And when I talk about special interests, you know, it's interesting. I was watching a video uh, from Donald Trump, like him or not, okay? And there was this video about, it goes back to 2016 when they were campaigning, and it was Jeb Bush and him and Marco Rubio and a few others that were sitting there on a, you know, on a presidential um, debate, right? And all these people were booing in the audience because Donald Trump was talking about special interests and uh, donors and things like that. And, you know, the audience was pretty much all special interests and donors that were at that debate. And so they were booing him. And he had a real pivotal moment there where he said, you know, this is why I'm different because I'm not reliant on these folks. Now, again, whether you like Trump or not, I think there was a profound message there. And that message was, here's a guy that can self-fund. In other words, he's a billionaire. He didn't need to worry about special. That's what I think the folks liked about him, at least one of the things, because they felt like he wasn't owned by somebody, right? So let's just take that as a hypothetical. Okay, now let's put that in the church. When you got a pastor, when you got a preacher, you got an evangelist, you got a, anybody, anybody that's a five-fold person that's out there, you know, Christian movie, Christian music industry, which is, by the way, one of the biggest uh, businesses. I don't know if you know that, but the Christian mu- music industry is multi-billion dollar industry. So yes, there's some real folks in there, but there's also some folks that are doing it for the money. And there's some folks that are doing it for the fame. And so we got to clean house. So when you talk about cleaning house, it's far more broad than what most people would probably think about. I mean, we're talking about literally, it's like when Jesus overturned the tables, we got to get back to the heart of worship. And I'm not saying we can't make money. And I'm not saying there can't be an industry in the Christian world. Of course, there needs to be because it's an alternative ecosystem. It just needs to be cleaned up. Just like some of the events need to be cleaned up and some of the ministries need to be cleaned up because it's become so much business. And what God said to me recently in prayer was that there's going to be a lot of people when there's a great shaking that takes place and our economy shifts and the global order shifts and there's some big changes in the world. There's going to be people right now that are preachers that at that time, because they're not making the money, they're going to go away. They're going to fade away because their, their house was built on, on sinking sand. It wasn't built on the solid rock. Does that make sense? Now, again, I'm not the purveyor of truth. That's, you know, I mean, I am a purveyor of truth, but I'm, I'm not the ultimate voice here. That's like, you know, sits in the, 
in the judgment seat of everybody else. That's between them and God, okay? I'm not going to sit here and try to say I'm so much better. You know, look, I, every day of my life I get before the Lord and I ask him, is there something that grieves you? There are certain things that keep me up at night, and I course correct. And it, it's a minefield. Every day is a minefield. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Every day, especially when you have influence and radio shows and television shows and followers and people reaching out from all over the Christian world that want something from you, and it gets to be more and more and more to where I actually get a headache from it. Uh, and, I, and I say this from a, a very humble place. I'm just saying this, this is what it's like. It's true. And I can only imagine folks that have much larger followings and larger ministries. And, you know, so we have to make sure that we're right before the Lord. And that's all I'm saying that everybody needs to do is everybody needs to go to God in the, in the Christian world. And we got to say, have we taken special interest money? Have we, you know, gotten off course from what the message is that God put in our heart? Have we allowed our messages to be tainted? And if so, how do we course correct and what do we do to get rid of the leaven, right? So we got to get rid of special interests. I'm going to read from chapter six in my book, Come Out From Among Them. It's out now wherever books are sold. Come Out From Among Them, Todd Coconato, that's the book. And it is also available on Charisma, Charisma House. It's also available at pastortodd.org. Or if you go to toddcoconato.com slash book. I mean, there's many different ways you can go. Uh, pastortodbook.com. So uh, you can just Google it. Uh, but anyway, in the book, chapter six, Rethinking the Church, is what I'm going to read from right now. I said, I believe that returning the foundation of our faith is important if we want to stay true to our original teachings, what I mean, the teachings of Jesus and the early church. We've also got to separate ourselves from the darkness and the wickedness of this hour. Uh, many of the, the ways of the West and how we've done church in the last 30 plus years have been significant in the departure that we've seen from traditional practices and beliefs of our faith. And some of the new ways of doing church, such as megachurches, celebrity Christianity, and a focus on entertainment and consumerism have taken away from the central message of Christianity and led to the lack of depth and sincerity in our faith. Have you seen this? This is what I'm talking about, getting away from special interests. Okay, getting back to the basics, getting back to the core of what Christianity is. This is why the church is not having as much impact on the culture as we need to. There's a phrase I say, culture is downstream of the church. I believe that's true. So we've got to rethink church. We've got to rethink it. It means we've got to go back to the foundations. Returning to our foundation involves a renewed focus on scripture, prayer, community, and service. Oh, service. What's that? <laughs> It could, it could also involve a greater emphasis on traditional practices such as regular attendance at church services, personal Bible studies, and participation in small group discussions or Bible studies. In addition, we need to reduce, um, I'm sorry, reintroduce, not reduce, we need to reintroduce mentorship, discipleship, and accountability. Mentorship, discipleship, and accountability. It's got to be a factor in the church. We've got to have these things. I believe that being filled with the Holy Spirit is essential because it empowers believers to live in a way that is pleasing to God and to carry out his purposes in the world. It also gives us discernment when we need to navigate the very challenging world around us. I often refer to the current spiritual environment as a minefield, as I just said. We need wisdom and direction from above to help guide us and walk us through this life. That's the guidance of the Holy Spirit, my friends. According to the Bible, the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity, equal with God the Father and God the Son. And, and, you know, it's the triune God. And when we became Christians, we received the Holy Spirit as a gift from God 
and the Spirit came to live within us to guide and empower us. Being filled with the Holy Spirit involves being continually filled with his power and presence as we yield to his guidance and direction. We've got to yield to his guidance and direction. And this filling helps us to live in obedience to God's will, to resist temptation and sin. We've got to resist temptation, friends. Resist sin. The Bible also teaches that being filled with the Holy Spirit brings about transformation in our lives, along with spiritual fruit, such as love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. You know them by their fruit. And these qualities are evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, and they reflect the character of Christ. This is why all Christians must seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, why do you say that, Todd? Because a believer in Christ should be automatically filled with the Spirit. Yes, true. But there's a large portion of the body of Christ, or at least people that claim to be Christian, that say they're, they don't believe the gifts are for today. They don't believe the Spirit of God is still in the miracle-working business. So that's what I mean. There's, there's a segment of the body of Christ called spirit-filled church, you know, spirit-filled Christians. And then there's other Christians that say they're not filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, or they, they claim to be, but they're not really operating in the gifts. They're not operating in miracle signs and wonders. They're not operating in, in, in the anointing. And so, gosh, what a, what a sad place to be when you're not operating in the anointing and the unction of the Spirit. You want to be a Spirit-led person. You want to make sure that the Spirit of God is evident in your life. The Bible talks about the evidence of the Spirit. And so very important, These, you know, that's why I say there's, there's actually folks that say they're not spirit-filled. I mean, let's just be honest. I've been around the church for a long time. There's a good portion of the church. Or they'll say, well, I have the spirit, but I'm not spirit-filled. Or, you know, just weird. You know, that's why there's different denominations. And I, I really believe God is going to be diminishing the denominations more and more because not, there's no denominations in heaven. And I'm not against denominations totally because I know that in some ways it keeps accountability and you're part of a greater body, and I get it. You know, there's some good things about the denominational structure, but I'm just going to be real with you. I don't think denominations are going to last much longer. I think they're going to greatly diminish, and I think you're going to see certain denominations go away. So let's talk about followers of the way. Well, the way is a term the Bible uses to refer to early Christians. Uh, that was what they were first, you know, called, followers of the way. And uh, so the followers of the way were those who believed in Jesus Christ as Messiah and followed his teachings. That should be us. The term the way appears several times in the New Testament, particularly in the book of Acts. It's in Acts 9-2, for example. Uh, it says that Saul, later known as Paul, was going to Damascus to arrest anyone who belonged to the way. In Acts 19-9-10, Acts 19-9-10, we read that Paul took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of uh, Tyrannus, and they went on for two years, this whole thing. And, and so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the providence and also heard the word, the, the word of the Lord there, they were called followers of the way. Followers of the way were also referred to as disciples in Acts 6.1, believers in Acts 5.14, and saints in Romans 1.7. And they were a diverse group of people uh, comprised of Jews and Gentiles, men and women, and people from all walks of life. That's, that's the way the church is today, Right. And followers of the way were persecuted for their beliefs, particularly by the Jewish authorities and the Roman Empire. And their faith continued to spread, and the early Christian movement eventually became dominant in the region of, uh, you know, the, where the Roman Empire was. So it became the dominant religion. And today there are three uh, various Bibles that include the way in their titles. 
And I mentioned this at the beginning of the chapter because I believe that God is taking us back to our roots, back to the basics, to the foundations of our faith. In studying the beginnings of the church, we must understand where we came from in order to know who we truly are as believers. Right now, God is allowing a shaking to take place in the body of Christ. Do you feel it? Do you see it? A massive shaking has occurred in the last couple of years. And why? Because God is is wanting us to turn back to him and rid ourselves of the spirit of religion. You know, uh, religious beliefs, like those of Pharisees, which are not in line with scripture. This is the man-made stuff. And and this is what I talked about in the beginning of the broadcast, the special interests, religion, uh, things that never were in the scripture that God never told us to do that we've adapted, that we've adopted and we brought into our, our Christian culture. When it was never something that God wanted. So I talk about the religion versus relationship. What is religion versus relationship? Well, religious rituals and practices can be an important part of our faith and provide a meaningful way to express our beliefs in connection with the divine, the God of heaven and earth. However, it's important to understand that not all religious rituals are are compatible with the Bible or with Jesus Christ, with true faith. In Christianity, uh, faith in Jesus is centered on personal relationship with him as the son of God and the savior of all humanity. And the Bible teaches that salvation comes through faith in Jesus alone, not through uh, adherence to religious rituals or traditions. We're saved by grace. We're saved by grace through faith. And when people mix old religious rituals with faith in Jesus, they risk diluting the central message of Christianity and potentially contradicting or obscuring its essential teachings. You know, somebody the other day mentioned, why don't you talk about praying to Mary? I'll talk about it right now. Praying to Mary is not, you're not going to get anything from praying to Mary. You got to pray to Jesus. You got to pray to God, not to Mary, not to idols, not to other humans. That's not going to, that's not going to get you anything. I know some of you that listen, you're Catholic and you say, I pray to Mary. Listen, I'm not here to attack you. Uh, I think there's some saved Catholics, some powerful people that are in the Catholic faith. I personally was, uh, came out of the Catholic faith as an Italian American, uh, so I understand Catholicism, but there are some man-made traditions in Catholicism, and you need to look into it because the the whole thing is whether we're Christian, whether we're Catholic, whether we're Protestant, whatever you want to call yourself, Methodist, Lutheran, whatever whatever sect of Christianity you come from, Baptist. Uh, I hope that you're spirit filled. I hope that you're seeking what the Word of God says, and not what man says. And that's why we're talking about religion versus relationship. So seek what's what, what's in the Scripture. And what God says to do, because man-made stuff will lead to confusion and a distorted understanding of the faith, which can ultimately hinder our spiritual growth and development of a deeper relationship with God. These are man-made things. Furthermore, some old religious rituals involve practices and beliefs that are incompatible with Christianity. For example, some rituals involve the worship of other deities or the use of uh, divination or other spiritual practices that are not consistent with the teachings of the Bible. So in many cases, there's idolatry involved. That's what I just talked about. While some rituals can be important, uh, you know, such as, you know, how we do a marriage ceremony or just, you know, certain things that I think are fine, uh, we must ensure that everything that we do is consistent with the teachings of Jesus and the Bible to avoid compromising the core principles of our faith and the word of God. And in many ways that are worth noting, religious is much, uh, religion is much different from having a true relationship with God. Do you know that? I always say that religion versus relationship. You got to have relationship. 
Religion uh, refers to a set of beliefs, rituals, practices, traditions that are typically organized around a specific deity or deities. It can involve a constructed system of beliefs and practices as well as adherence to religious rules and regulations. Religion often includes a hierarchy of religious leaders who guide and interpret religious teachings. On the other hand, a true relationship with God involves a personal and intimate connection between an individual and the God of heaven and earth. It involves a sense of spiritual connection and a desire to live in obedience to God. The Lord says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. A relationship with God is often marked by feelings of love, peace, and joy. Why? Because you're filled with the Spirit. And you've got a peace that passes understanding, and God is love. While religion can provide a framework for understanding the connection with God, it's not always necessary for a true relationship with God. Is it possible for someone to develop a personal connection with God through consistent prayer, worship, and getting into God's word regularly without adhering to specific religious uh, religious tradition? Yes. Similarly, uh, it's an individual can practice religion without necessarily having a personal relationship with God. In other words, It's like the scripture, I cast out demons in your name. Well, I never knew you. Depart from me, worker of iniquity. We must learn to recognize the difference between participating in religion and having a true daily relationship with the living God. There's a distinct difference between the two that determines whether we're going to grow in our faith or we're simply going to check a box. And I'm going to tell you something right now, a good amount of people here in America are in religion, not relationship. That's the problem. Uh, let me warn you a little bit about extreme grace and hyper grace. You know, even though God gives us much grace, we still need to be repentant people and do all that we can to live in a way that pleases the Lord. In the last 30 years, the hyper grace movement has done more damage to the church as a whole than just about any other movement I could think of. Those who preach it have taken God's grace out of context and used it to tickle ears and push a very watered down version of Christianity. While God does give extreme grace and mercy, we can't take advantage of it. You know, Romans 6.23 tells us the wages of sin are death. And when you open the door of sin in your life, the enemy will use it against you because, uh, you know, look, it's going to cause major issues, afflictions, challenges that you could have otherwise avoided. In other words, sin has consequences. Even though God will forgive us if we truly repent, this doesn't mean we won't have to deal with the repercussions of our actions. And Paul urgently warned us to not give place to the devil. It's in Ephesians 4.27. In other words, we must stay on alert to keep the enemy from freely accessing our lives. And, you know, I saw this when I left Hollywood many years ago. The enemy literally rolled out the red carpet for me and tried to entice me to go back into my worldly ways. It was like everything I'd ever wanted was suddenly becoming presented to me right there on a silver platter. And he will do this anytime we give him the opportunity because just like when Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness. How did Jesus respond? He said, it is written. He told the devil, get behind him. And we should respond in a similar way when the devil comes to tempt us. Think, you know, think about what God did. Jesus showed us what to do. Yeah, the devil will give us the things of this world, but what are we going to have to give up for it? Our soul. So we can't leave open doors to sin. The Bible teaches that sin is a destructive force that can have serious consequences in our lives. It's defined as an act of disobedience against God and can manifest in various forms of, you know, things such as lying, cheating, stealing, sexual immorality. In the book of James, it's written that sin, when fully grown, brings forth death. This is why the Bible admonishes us to leave no open doors to sin in our lives. The concept of leaving no open doors to sin is rooted in the belief that as humans, we are prone to temptation and can easily fall into sin if we're not careful. Boy, ain't that the truth. Any of us at any moment can fall into the temptation of sin. It's very easy. 
So the Apostle Paul wrote in his letter to the Corinthians, he said, no temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure. That's 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Somebody needs to hear that today. God's given you a way out. And he's calling us to get rid of the bondage. He's calling us to get rid of the areas of sin, the, the leaven. He's calling us to consecrate, to come out from among them. He's calling us to not look at the special interests. Listen, let me just finish up by saying this today. There's been times when there's been great temptation put in front of me, even as a pastor, as a minister, you know, large amounts of money if I just do this. You know, large amounts of speaking engagements if I just do this. Make this your message. Turn it to a marketing master. You know, uh, leave this part out because that's unpopular. If I did that, I'd be a fraud. But yet how many people are willing to do that because they like the money? With the, the love of money, come on. It's, it's, the, it's the root of all evil. Doesn't mean that having money is so bad. But when you make it an idol, and how many people have allowed special interests, and listen, if you're listening to this broadcast and that's you, I believe God wants you to repent, to turn from it today, to get back on course There was an original call that God put on your life and you know that he's real, but somewhere along the way, special interest came in. Just like that happened in politics, it's happened in the church. Money, you know, people that that roll out the red carpet that say, hey, if you just do this, we're gonna market you the business of Christianity. Not that all business in Christianity is necessarily awful or bad because we need alternative ecosystems. We've gotta come out from the worldly system. But the thing is you do it for kingdom. Everything's got to be kingdom, kingdom focus, kingdom purpose. Otherwise, what are we doing this for? Like I tell people, if I wanted to come in the Christian world and make it a business, why wouldn't I just do that in the regular world? I mean, how awful is it that I would take something so holy and pure as God's church and body and turn that into business? I'd rather do that in the world. That way I'm not on, on holy ground. You see what I'm saying? Like if you're, if you're called to be a marketplace person, that's not bad. You know, if God's giving you anointing to make money and to fund the kingdom, there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. We need people like you. But the thing is, is like when, when the ministry becomes that, that's bad. That means that there's special interests that are controlling what otherwise should be free for the Lord to move. Now, look, it's a radio show. Do we once in a while do advertisements? Yeah, we got to fund the operation. Uh, this is an expensive thing to do to send this out to all these different radio stations and you know, produce the shows and we do different shows. I do TV shows and radio shows every single week. I mean, I'm sure you see the content that we put out. It's a lot. There, there's a cost to that. So we have to cover the costs. And so I think a little bit of advertising is okay. As long as it's something that you believe in, you're not like putting something bad out there. But the thing is, I'm very careful to make sure that if we do use an advertiser, and by the way, they don't pay a lot, not the ones that we use because we're not selling out. You know, there are ones that would pay a lot of money, but they say, well, you got to put a post up every day and you got to do this. You gotta do. I don't want to do that because I, I you know, I don't want to be controlled by somebody. So that's why that's what I'm saying. You got to prayerfully see what's actually something that's permissible and will, will be used for God's glory in the kingdom versus somebody that's a special interest that's controlling you, that's guiding what you otherwise would do and shifting it from what God wants to do to somebody's, uh, you know, their own will. And there's a lot of people, listen, if you're, if you're in the ministry, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to try to control you. Listen up. If you got a call on your life and the Lord expands your territory, you don't think Billy Graham dealt with this? Of course he did. 
any any ministry that grows, even if you're a local church and it just gets, you know, it grows a lot, there's going to be special interest people, donors and people that are going to come along and they're going to they're say, look, I'll give you 10 grand, but you got to do this. Or they, they won't say it right off the bat, but then they'll try to control you afterwards. I mean, you know, it's a minefield. And, and that's why you always have to keep it real and you always have to do what God says because what he says absolutely is the, is the main thing. We can't worry about what man says and the controlling special interests. And this is why the church has gotten muddied up in the Western culture because there are too many special interests and people worried about money and, and they're, they're buyable and basically they're for sale. They have a price. You know, this big preacher, hey, look, if I give you X amount of money, you know, will you, will you do this? I mean, I'm not saying every situation is, is horrible. There might be some that are permissible, but you better pray about it because we're not for sale. Preachers are not for sale. I'm not for sale. I've had a lot of people get really, really mad at me over the last few years because they wanted me to go in a certain direction. And I stayed up at night, literally wrestling and sick in my bed because I knew the Holy Spirit said, absolutely not. And I had to make tough calls, tough decisions, tough phone conversations. People were mad at me. But you know what? The Lord has blessed the ministry because you know what? We put him first. Put God first. Put him first in your business. Put him first in your marriage. Put him first in your household. Put him first in the ministry. You've got to put God first. That's the main thing. The main interest. The main, the, the special interest of man will always try to get you to do one thing or another. And a lot of times it's compromise. We can't compromise. We got a little leaven leavens the whole lump. We can't be buyable pastors. You know, we can't have a price. I get it. Somebody wants to give you a big donation, but then you got to do this. Make sure you pray about it. You got to pray about it because there's a lot of people that are going to try to control you and that's going to be a bad thing. Bad. Don't do that. Okay. Very, very important. So uh, the message is, look, rethinking church. We're going to come out of the mega church culture. We're going to come out of the denominations, I believe, to some extent here in the next few years. We're going to get back to basics. Uh, we've got to rethink the church. We've got to get away from the hyper grace, wide gate, uh, no open doors to sin. We've got to consecrate ourselves. Come out from among them. Amen. There's only one way. We must come out from among them. We must be unwilling to compromise. Instead, live with favor and the blessing of the Lord. And that's how we get back to the basics and turn back to what God would have us to do as people of God. Amen? Hallelujah. Did you get something from this today? I hope you did. Hey, listen, write me. Let me know. Is this, is this type of show helpful? Uh, if you're out in Los Angeles, we're going to be coming out in September with Mario Murillo for Tent Crusade. Stay tuned. You go to pastortodd.org, pastortodd.org. We love you. We bless you. Come and get my new book. If you can, come out from among them, pastortoddbook.com. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>